Welcome to the Laser Therapy Institute weekly podcast, the world's first podcast about medical laser therapy for healthcare providers. Each week, we discuss the latest research, interviews with experts, and how laser therapy can enhance your practice. Now, here is the founder of LTI and your host, Dr. Jason Roundtree. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and get rolling with today's topic, which is Parkinson's disease. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome to the podcast. Mm -hmm. We're usually starting right on time and a little more organized than we are this morning. But thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Our topic today is Parkinson's disease, Parkinson's patients, and how to help them with light therapy in your clinic. We're going to be referring to a study that I'll give you the title of here shortly, but let me introduce Christy. Christy is a certified laser tech. Mm -hmm. She has been with me with Laser Therapy Institute for many years now, and she's also the uh, chief engineer and designer and approver of many (laughs) of our online products. We have some great online courses for laser therapy. You can check those out if you're a healthcare provider at lasertherapyinstitute.org. And but it's always your brains. I just make it, I get it online for well, you. Well, yes. She's a good translator. <laughs> so, uh, but what we like to do on the LTI podcast is talk to physicians, talk to healthcare providers about the research, the latest research, um, and then how to take that research and then apply it in practice for the benefit of your patients. If you're new to laser therapy in general, we're not talking about surgical lasers or burning or shooting down drones with lasers or anything like that. We're talking about using safe, non-invasive light to help stimulate the biology of the cell so that it can perform better, so that the organism can perform better. Photobiomodulation is what it's called now instead of laser therapy. However, we still like the term laser therapy because the laser is actually the the tool that works best for most clinics and that's what most clinics are going to be continuing to use for the foreseeable future um, as their main piece so we'll still stay laser therapy plus it rolls off the tongue a little bit easier it than does it photo does. biomodulation mm-hmm. yeah we can make a rap song out of photo biomodulation <laughs> maybe you can <laughs> <laughs> So uh, let's jump into the study because we're going to be talking about delivering results with Parkinson's patients and light therapy. So this this study is titled Improvements in Clinical Signs of Parkinson's Disease Using Photobiomodulation, a Prospective Proof-of-Concept Study. And right there kind of gives it away, uh, improvements in the clinical signs and symptoms of Parkinson's disease. Mm -hmm. Now we're not talking about curing Parkinson's Mm -hmm. disease, we're talking about delaying the progression of a progressive neurological disease like Mm -hmm. Parkinson's um, and also showing improvements, reversing some of the signs and symptoms, which for someone with a, you know, fatal degenerative condition like this, Mm -hmm. changing that progression is absolutely huge. And it's the best thing we can uh, hope to do right now. And hopefully improve their quality of life for a time. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is a very, very exciting study from the great Dr. Ann Liebert. She uh, has done a lot of really amazing studies. This one is really fascinating. It came out in BMC Neurology in 2021. And we actually did a patient-focused podcast on this one a couple months Mm -hmm. ago. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to bring this back around and talk about it from the physician standpoint. As a healthcare provider, how do you use this information from this study to actually help the patients that are coming in to see you every day? That's what we're going to do. We're going to kind of discuss the study, and we'll talk about how to make sure you can leverage it in your practice as Mm -hmm. a healthcare practitioner uh, who uses light therapies. So let me give you a a rundown on just the abstract first, because there's no surprises here. We already know the end result. People got improvements. Right. So 
Here we go. 12 participants. So a very small study. 12 mm -hmm. participants were beginning with 12 weeks of transcranial, intranasal, neck, and abdominal photobiomodulation. After the 12-week period, all the participants were supplied with photobiomodulation devices to continue home treatment. And they were assessed for their mobility, their fine motor skills, their balance, and cognition before, during, and after the, the treatments were done. Now, mobility, cognition, dynamic balance, and fine motor skill all were significantly improved at the 12-week mark and for up to one year. Also, many of the individual improvements were above the minimally clinically important difference, which is the threshold judged to be meaningful for participants. Which means not only did they show improvements in the testing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, how, how um, well did you uh, walk? How fast could right. you get up and go? That kind of thing. But also, did the patients themselves feel like they were better? Mm -hmm. And many of those categories that they examined, the patient felt the improvement and believed that they had improved in addition to actually having objective data saying they were better. Mm -hmm. Let's just pause for a second and talk about that. There are many cases where a patient is objectively better. Mm -hmm. and they will sit there and swear to you <laughs> that they are not any better. You're laughing because you've seen this. Yes, I have. And, mm -hmm. and everybody around them is going, no, you're, you're, have, you, have you seen yourself walking? And the patients just go, nope, nothing's different. <laughs> nothing's any better. And everybody around you knows that's different. Right. And, and especially in someone with a neurodegenerative dis disease, we, mm -hmm. don't, we really can't expect their memory right. to support right. all that. So the fact that you could see both mm -hmm. the objective signs of improvement and the patient felt the improvement is a pretty important thing. It is. It is because, you know, like you just said, a lot of times if there's a cognitive problem, they're not going to know. Mm -hmm. But if they actually know, there's, there's something to that. Right. Mm -hmm. And is the patient more likely to stick with a successful treatment if they're feeling better? Yes. Most likely. You know, if they mm -hmm. feel like they can see the improvements, they're a lot mm -hmm. more likely to be able to stick with it. Right. Whereas a patient who feels like they're not seeing improvements, even if they are objectively better, mm -hmm. their pain levels are objectively down, their capabilities are up, if they don't feel that they've improved, then the, the chances are they're not going to continue with that treatment. Right. They're going to say, why? Because I'm not seeing it. I'm not feeling it. But right. Regardless of what people say, regardless of what the tests show. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some people just, and there are some people who are resistant to mm -hmm. getting better too. And I think that plays a part too. Unfortunately, some people have been locked into whatever situation they're in. Um, emotionally, mm -hmm. they can become attached to it. If you're in practice, you've mm -hmm. seen this, you know, mm -hmm. you, you've seen this a number of times where you actually, someone improves very well with your treatment plan. Um, and then they they're out there you know maybe talking about how they didn't get any better or whatever and you're going hold on you're on a walker when you came in to see me and now you're just walking around no problem mm -hmm. you know so mm -hmm. um something to keep in mind especially with a neurodegenerative disease mm -hmm. is are the patients really noticing the difference you mm -hmm. know are they aware of the fact that they are better mm -hmm. um when they objectively are and on the flip side if they feel that they're better but they're objectively not better that's a different conversation and that does right. happen as well it does it does but you can work with those people a little bit more because maybe you can help them change their mind. Yeah. But those who have just decided I'm not going to change my mind, there's not a lot you can do. Yeah. Doesn't matter how well you get them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Okay, so that that's that's really the the rundown on this study. Mm-hmm. Twelve participants, very small study. I had photomodulation, showed improvements throughout up to one year mark, and not only did they show improvements, but they felt like they were improving as well. So let's break down a little bit more about Parkinson's here. Now Parkinson's is the second most common neurodegenerative disorder after Alzheimer's disease. It is the fastest growing neurodegenerative disease. Mm-hmm. Population in general worldwide. In, in most countries, is aging. We're having more and more aged people. Yeah, I was going to say it's attributed to mostly aged people. Mostly. Mm-hmm. However, there is a good portion of younger people who are experiencing Parkinson's symptoms and disease at this point, too. So uh, they go on to say that there are contributors, uh, environmental contributors, like uh, xenotoxins and environmental pollutants, and it's also possible that the current COVID-19 pandemic may result in an increased incidence of Parkinson's disease in the future. Hmm. Inflammatory disease mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. one of the theories behind what the origination of Parkinson's is. Inflammatory okay. disease can include like diabetes. Mm-hmm. It can include things like COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so certainly if we're having more and more people with inflammatory issues, the theory is, and we could see a larger population amount of, of folks that have Parkinson's. And that's why this should matter to every practitioner out there, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what your field is, as you are going about your practice over the next 5, 20, 30 years, especially if you're just getting started, you're going to see more and more Parkinson's patients. Whether they're coming to you for care or not, you're going to have people with Parkinson's that need care. Mm-hmm. So the more you can understand it now, the more you can get ahead of this now, the more it's going to help you uh, down the road and the more you can help your patients. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times if you catch it early, there's more you can do not to cure it we're not looking at a cure we're looking at prolonged quality of life by addressing the issue absolutely and helping the issue yeah i mean even even things like traditional physical therapy um mm-hmm. there's there's parkinson's boxing groups that are great <laughs> for helping people stay uh, confident and mobile and active and, and the, the more you can get people into that earlier Mm-hmm. the better their life, their quality of life, and their partner's uh, life is going to be. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, though, we're the Laser Therapy Institute podcast and not right. the exactly. um, Parkinson's not Bo- Boxing Group <laughs> podcast. So, uh, as much as I believe that is a helpful thing, we're going to talk about laser therapy. So, how does laser therapy help? Can it really help this disease? Let me read you something from the study here again. Uh, Photomodulation. Photobiomodulation increases ATP production and regulates downstream cellular signaling pathways. Uh, and that helps to influence gene transcription. It has a decades-long safety record with a safety profile equating to that of ultrasound tests. Now, ultrasound tests, like mm-hmm. ultrasound uh, for babies, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and you're looking at uh, the baby's uh, brain size and things like that. It's completely mm-hmm. safe. And that's exactly how safe photobiomodulation is. So the next mm-hmm. time somebody says, well, is it safe? Is it safe to get an ultrasound imaging? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, this is the same. It's on the same profile. That's a good way to put it. That's right. That's a common way to understand it. Yeah. They go on to say that unlike much pharmaceutical therapy, photobiomodulation is free of serious deleterious side effects and is non-invasive. So mm-hmm. it has a leg up on medications if it can work, right? Mm-hmm. Now they say, because photobiomodulation acts at a cellular and mitochondrial level, 
The therapy has been shown to have a multitude of beneficial effects in the body and on various disorders, such as wound and diabetic ulcer healing and pain reduction, treating inflammatory disorders, such as lung inflammation, uh, osteoarthritis, tendinopathies, other musculoskeletal conditions. And in addition to the local effect of photobiomodulation on the target cell, like exactly where you're pointing that laser or that light, mm -hmm. photobiomodulation also has a systemic effect and a delayed effect due to activation of DNA transcription factors. One of the primary downstream effects of photobiomodulation is on immune cells, producing an anti-inflammatory effect, which has profound consequences for many body processes. So not only the cells you are lighting up directly, but also body-wide systemic effects. So you know, we've known that part, and to have it come to light in a yeah, research nice. um, paper, you know, it's just reinforcing a lot of things that we already know. Yeah, absolutely. And have been doing. Yeah, and, and have been doing. Yeah, it's really good. So um, there's a couple of factors to consider if you're doing photobiomodulation. Not only do you have an effect where you're working, but you have an effect overall. And so not to say that it doesn't matter where you apply light therapy. It very much matters. Mm-hmm. What is an important note here is that you may be able to affect other systems mm -hmm. by working in an area that's unrelated. And I have seen this for a decade mm -hmm. now, really, where mm -hmm. you can apply light for one purpose and something else completely unrelated, you think, improves, gets better. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty nice thing. So don't be shocked if you're doing light and laser therapies and people have other things improve. I've had diabetics <laughs> uh, that have their sugars become completely controlled. We've mm -hmm. had uh, mm -hmm. high blood pressure issues that completely resolve, permanently resolve. I mean, for oh, going on five, six years now. Yeah. I mean, we've had all kinds of blood work improvements and that's just talking about the chemistry side, not the even pain side. So definitely has a systemic effect mm -hmm. and a localized effect. Right. So what these guys did with that idea, they mm -hmm. said, well, what if we don't just do the brain because the mm -hmm. brain is the primary location to laser, right? But what if we also do other areas? So they did a combination of transcranial through the skull mm -hmm. and remote treatment. So they decided to treat the abdomen and the neck. They were selected, those locations were selected because of the importance of the gut brain axis in, in Parkinson's the richness of the enteric nervous system, the proximity of the vagus nerve and the neck, and both the success of these targets in animal models as well as in their clinical experience. So not only are they looking at animal studies, but they're also saying, okay, this, we've been doing some of this in clinic. We feel like this is a good idea. Yeah. It was intriguing to hear about the abdominal um, placement. Mm -hmm. Or not placement, but treatment area. Yeah. No, absolutely. Mm -hmm. it, it is. And it's a reminder that... Um, getting too tunnel visioned on one spot is not a good idea. And we've seen that mm -hmm. for, for a long time as well. I mean, um, LTI protocols almost never treat only this one point of pain or only right. this one organ system. Mm -hmm. We're covering, in, in a lot of cases, multiple sites when it comes to LTI settings and protocols. Well, we target the area, but then we also, um, not deviate, but part of the protocol is to do a systemic um, treatment as well to yep. bring it all back together and you know, like you're just saying absolutely it's, it's amazing 
Amazingly effective. Yeah, it really is. And and so here's a note for you: if you're doing photobiomodulation, um, don't just do the one spot. Mm-mm. You know, if you've if you've got especially a very low power light or laser that you're using, and you're doing like two or three points on somebody's knee, probably missing out. You probably mm-hmm. need to start adding in things like the lymphatic chain that feeds that knee or the spine because you can have not just this local effect, but you can have a systemic effect. You can promote that systemic effect even more if you know what you're doing by working in other areas too. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and talk about the equipment that these guys used. Yeah. Um, this is this is really interesting. They used a Vilite Neuro Gamma device and they uh, applied that to the outside of the head as well as intranasal because that's the way this one is designed. Mm-hmm. And they also used a uh, a different light, the the Iradia Mid 2.5 laser, which is very very low power, and they applied that though to the C1 C2 region of the neck, and then to the abdomen as well, just about 40 joules per spot. Mm-hmm. So pretty low dose. Yeah. Um, with these lower powered lasers, it took a, a little bit longer time, but you can deliver 40 joules in just a couple of seconds with most of the uh, higher powered laser devices out there. So you can mm-hmm. be very very fast on delivering the right level of treatment and then moving on. Um, so what they did, they did this three times a week with the therapist for weeks one to four. And then after that, from weeks five to eight, they did twice a week. And then it went down to once a week for weeks nine to 12. So three times a week for three weeks, I'm sorry, three times a week for four weeks, twice a week for four weeks, and then once a week for four weeks. So they, they came down. After they were done with that 12 week progression and titration, then the participants were given one of these devices that they now mm-hmm. have been real familiar with. They kind of mm-hmm. know the drill. Right. And they took it home and they used it. Um, they used it at home three times a week for an additional 40 or 25 weeks, depending on which group they had. So one, mm-hmm. one group that they put in here was a delayed start group so they could have some kind of um, perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they were able to use this device multiple times a week, you know, three times a week, then twice a week, then once a week, and then they took it home and used it three times a week for the ongoing, uh, you know, up to a year mm-hmm. afterward. All right. So uh, first thing they, they saw from this is no side effects, no negative side effects. Right. And they did see that every single patient did not have declines in any of the outcome measurements. And again, mm-hmm. we're talking neurodegenerative condition. Mm-hmm. So we expect things to decline. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And they did not. None of them declined. That doesn't say that, that doesn't mean everybody got better, but at least at least they leveled out. Yes. Or maintained. Yes. Whereas a lot of them did get better. Um, some some of these tests did get better right away within the first four weeks. Some of them took longer, and then really everything was pretty much sustained. Uh, during that one-year period uh, fairly well. Now, one thing to note is there was no significant change in handwriting. Um, <laughs> so that is something maybe not to expect, uh, or at least that's what we're seeing in, in this study. More studies, of course, uh, will give us more information. But still, um, no declines in any of the outcome measures and no safety issues, no safety concerns, no mm-hmm. difficulty really with getting the treatment applied. I have one more quote to read from here, if I can flip to it. They said, while all the participants showed improvement in multiple clinical signs, the number and specific sign, as well as the extent of the improvement, varied among the participants, which means that no one person was alike. 
They were all different. Mm -hmm. While, yes, they all saw improvements, it was all in different areas and to different degrees. Hmm. So that's something else to keep in mind. Not everybody's going to respond the same, at the same way, at right. the same rate. That doesn't mean that you're a failure as a clinician. Right. That doesn't mean that they're not a good fit. It simply means they're different. Mm -hmm. Every case of neurodegenerative disease is different. Mm -hmm. Every single case is a little mm -hmm. bit different. They might fit a profile. Mm -hmm. But they are different in terms of what they respond to, the difficulties they have day to day, the way they interact right. with others. I mean, all of it's so very different. Uh, we're we're all very different. We're, yeah, we're very similar, but we're all very different. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. So, given all that, as a clinician, what do you do with all that information, right? So, mm -hmm. so we know laser light therapy is helpful for mm -hmm. Parkinson's. We know it's safe. Mm -hmm. So, what do you do now, in your office on Monday when you go back to work? Well. For one, something you could do, if you want to, is you could connect patients with this device. The Vilite NeuroGamma is a device that you can get online. A patient can buy it themselves. There's training they can get for it. You could even assist with getting them going, and they could use it at home. At-home therapies like that tend to have a very good um, progression of, or I shouldn't say progression, uh, real good compliance, where the patient will usually stick with it, especially, again, if they're seeing some progression, some mm -hmm. improvement. Or what you could do, you could do that still, but you can also do what these researchers did and treat the patient in clinic, mm -hmm. at least for the beginning, and then get them going on the maintenance after that. If you want to mirror what these guys did, three times a week for four weeks, twice a week for four weeks, and once a week for four weeks. That's exactly what they did here. You can do that either with this NeuroGamma by Vilite, or you can replicate a lot of these results with other photobiomodulation devices. We're talking about 800... Uh, to 830 nanometer wavelengths, uh, pulse rates at 10 and 40 hertz, you know, in fairly low doses. This is not that hard to do if you have some decent equipment. Mm -hmm. It's not that hard to program in. And then you can still have patients do the uh, the kind of home the home side. Now, I'm not telling you you should. I'm just saying that would be an option that you could do that's based on this research. However, there's still a lot that we don't know. So this has to fall on you as a clinician to decide, you know, is this a good mm -hmm. fit for you? Is this something you feel like you should be getting into? Again, your scope of practice may preclude you from doing this. Um, certainly, you, you'll have to do the legwork. I can't do that for you. However, this is exciting stuff. You're preventing mm -hmm. people from getting worse and, in a lot of cases, making them better, right. helping them to be better. So if you do want to get more into this, if you want complete protocols, if you want one-on-one -on -one guidance, if you want the certifications, the courses, help getting the right equipment, all of that. That's exactly what we do here mm -hmm. at LTI. So you can always get a hold of us. We have been using um, actually very similar protocols mm -hmm. to what they did in this study for years. Uh, mm -hmm. Before before uh, Dr. Liebert and her colleagues uh, published this, we've already been on this pathway um, with working on not just the brain, but the additional locations, you know, like the mm -hmm. abdomen, the mm -hmm. spine, um, using the right levels of dosage, not being too much, not being too little. I mean, we've got everything from your treatment schedule to the settings you need to right. use to the supplements that the patient should you know look at and then other therapies as well. So if you want to get into that, give us a shout. You can email mm -hmm. us, info at lasertherapyinstitute.org. If you are also looking for additional resources, additional mm -hmm. learning opportunities, we have a ton of free stuff on our website. You can go there and check it out. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll be happy to be of any help that we can for you. Yeah. Exciting stuff. It really, it really is. is. It yeah. really is exciting. The more and more we find out and research has shown and is proving how effective photobiomet... I can't even say it. You were so close. I was so close. <laughs> 
It's early. It is. It's not 12.08 in the morning, but it's, it's <laughs> but early. But it's still early. Photobiomodulation. Nice. It's, it's effective, it's safe, and it works. Absolutely. just takes time in some cases. It's, just, it's, not, mm-hmm. it's not a miracle cure or no. even help, you know, because right. we don't cure anything. Right. But it's amazing what it will do to help people with their painful conditions. Yeah. I, it really, you're stimulating the body's natural biology. That's mm-hmm. what you're doing, which is the absolute best thing you could do. You know, you're just helping the body do what it's already designed to do. Mm-hmm. So... That's why light therapies are so helpful and and work in so many different cases. Check out the information on the website. Thank you very much. Thank you. Subscribe now to keep learning about the growing field of laser therapy. Check out our patient-focused podcast, Healing at the Speed of Light, a great resource for your patients. For massive practice growth and improved patient outcomes, become a certified Laser Therapy Institute clinic. Learn how at lasertherapyinstitute.org.